Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today, I, I can't even, like, I'm so excited about this interview. I can't even, like, control my emotions, it feels like. Um, <clears throat> I have the one and only Mr. Don Green. He's the CEO of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And we're going to talk about his life. We're going to talk about the things that he's done. We're going to talk about his new book and we're going to have a lot of fun, but I want you to do me a favor and I need every single one of you to share this interview out on all your social media platforms starting right now. Go ahead and share this out. And there are huge blessings in store for you. If you just share, you got to share, got to share. We'll see you guys in a second. And we are back. Let me bring Don on. Don, welcome to Breakthrough Walls. Great, uh, Ken, to be with you. And I'm I just watching those people, uh, uh, Ken's star, uh, Grant Cardone and uh, Brian Tracy, all those legends that you interviewed, even me on the, be on the same show. That's quite, a, quite an honor. And now and I have the greatest legend of them all, which is you. So I'm, I'm, uh, trust me, every single one of those people look up to you. I can guarantee it. Guarantee it. You have accomplished some amazing things. You've taken the Napoleon Hill foundation to levels. I'm sure that they never even expected. Um, and so I look, this show is about helping people have a breakthrough in life. And I truly believe that if we hear, about how other people faced troubles and they got through it. I, I I think that there's just magical healing power in that, Don. And so I want to start with you telling everybody. And by the way, there's going to be times when I give you full screen. I'm still here. Don't get nervous. I'm still here. Um, but But I want you to start with telling everybody where you were born and raised in case they live under a rock and they don't know. <laughs> Okay, Ken. I was born in uh, Dickinson County, Virginia, a rural area. My dad was an underground coal miner. He and mom grew up during the Depression. Uh, both of them had seventh grade educations. And uh, was I once asked why, and they said, as far as a teacher went, and there was no high school uh, within miles and miles, and there was no school buses. So what did they do? The boys at 14 or so go into work in the coal mines, and the girls up and get married. You know, mom was one of 16 kids. Dad was one of 10. And uh, they learned hard work and honesty and uh, and and had a lot of faith. And uh, I hope they're smiling down on us today. The, the uh, brothers and one sisters all turned out real well. And uh, Proud, proud of the whole family, but uh, gosh, I had a I had a thirst for uh, doing things even as a kid because my dad never handed us money. He, he we I would never have asked him for a quarter or nothing like that. And and I can remember a conversation with my mother. 
it would cost eight dollars to join the Boy Scouts because I saw some of the other boys and I thought that little uniform was was a uh, was cute and all. And I told mom I needed eight dollars to buy a Boy Scout uniform. She said, "Honey, we can't waste your daddy's money." She said he crawls around them old coal mines and he might get hurt. He might even get killed. This is to an eight year old kid. And right. and so she said, why don't you mow your uncle's yards? And he gives you a quarter every time you mow it, don't he? Said he ain't got no boys. And I, I did. And I picked up pop bottles and what have you. And, you know, I, I made more I made more than $8 that summer, but I didn't spend it because I earned that money and I knew who I made it. So I had a I had a desire to make my own money. I mean, from every little thing you can think of, picking up pop bottles and mowing yards and, and picking corn out of the garden and sitting up side of the road. We cut cut Christmas trees and mistletoe it during the school time was out. And just it, it, amazing. And of course, then, uh, when I was in high school, I, I built a little zoo. I caught rattlesnakes and showed them. They had no fear. Hey, did you really? Yeah, yeah. Huh. I made a lot. I made a lot of money and I, I hope the statute of limitations is gone because I was a kid <laughs> and I said to my dad, I said, and he was honest now. He was an honest person. And I said, Dad, I've made money that I'm making money. Do I have to pay taxes? I file taxes. <laughs> he said, kids don't have to pay taxes. And I took that as gospel. So we had got no license, no nothing, and started selling souvenirs. And uh, I found out you could buy a little little ashtray, little comical ashtray for a quarter, put a little sticker on it, it said Indian Mountain Reptile Garden, and get a dollar for it. And so it was just a, and I learned a lot of lessons, Ken. If wow. you stopped there and brought people, then the next time I would probably recognize you and I'd say, Ken, you don't have to pay me a quarter. Would you show these friends you brought around and tell them about the the, the monkeys and snakes and the birds and, and things I've got? back there in the zoo and so that puts you on high stage and you just realized it getting that attention from your relatives who are in visiting for the summer so it was marketing i guess 101 and it just seemed to me wow. to be nice it wasn't nothing i learned from the books but along <laughs> that during that time i developed a love for reading and and it's never been the same so hold on you had monkeys and bears with the snakes well, I had no. Well, they were in separate. Uh, they, I only had one bird, but I had five monkeys. And uh, yeah, I had snakes, but they were in a den. I mean, they were in a. They were in a. It had been an old, old uh, block building that tore down, but the walls were still there, and they had to do a little bit of work and had a concrete floor, and we just catch them and dump them over in there. And oh then my was, lord! There was a walkway around it, and people could look over and gaze over in there and see them. I wouldn't even get down in there with them. I wasn't afraid of nothing. I never did. Oh my people. lord! Have mercy. But I, I, never, I never did get bit, but come come close. Well, I did get bit by a black snake one time, but that was my own fault. Oh, was, my. I got struck on this little girl come in and visit her dad. Her mom and dad were divorced. She stayed with her mom in the, through the year in Baltimore in the summer she came in, and I got struck on her. She had a cute little blonde. So I had this big black snake. This is when they had Polaroid cameras. So I'm getting, I got this little gal side of me. She's wanting to stand close to me, but she's afraid of that black snake. So <laughs> someone took her a picture with a Polaroid and that flash went off. He bit me right there in the side of the head. Oh that, was my my, that was my life's most embarrassment moment because the blood went everywhere. 
And uh, <laughs> but uh, they're and, not and, now. Black snakes aren't poisonous, though, right? No, no, but they no, but they bite you. They got them old sharp teeth. Yeah, you know, yeah. Get me right there, the, right there on the edge of my hair, and that blood running down my down there, <laughs> down on my t-shirt. <laughs> it, I was there burst. I but, do you know? By the way, do you know Steve Rizzo? Him and Gittimer are really, really good friends. You know Steve? His name, but I know Gittimer. He always spent a lot of time with with uh, with Gittimer, But yeah, I have, yeah. But Steve's I have, a very famous comedian, very famous, very good friend of mine, and um, he's on here watching. He he's uh, a matter of fact, he's got a book. I'll send you a copy of his book. I got a bunch of them. I'll send you one. But um, so so. So you grew up, um, gosh, I can relate to that. I, I, I grew up in, in poverty and, and, and had to go out and mow yards. And I, I was, I, we had those little bicycles and I would pull a mower on a, on a rope behind my bicycle, going door to door, knocking on doors, asking if I can mow their yard. And, and you'd stop that bicycle and have to turn around real fast and stop the lawnmower from crashing into your back. But, um, I, so I can relate to that having to go out and work and, and, and make it on your own. Well, I remember when I was a kid, we didn't have running water. We didn't have a bathroom in the house. We got oh, that wow. when I was in, uh, I guess I was a junior high school, but, but, wow. uh, even the schools I attended had outdoor facilities till, uh, till I went to seventh grade and we, uh, we didn't have, we had running water or spigot outside, but you use the outhouse and then to wash your hands, you had cold water, no soap, no nothing. And divorce, you know it, but that's just we. I thought everybody else lived the same way, and yeah, uh, yeah. but we eat good. They farmed and uh, and uh, and we eat ver we eat very well. And uh, and but but I found out, you know, there's a there's a different way than working in a coal mine. So my my dad uh, 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 my dad that's that's what that's all that's all in you. And I guess they made good wages for the time. And I had some experience with summer pulling mining still out. As a kid, I think I don't know, I got seventy-five cents for a dollar an hour, but it's about forty inches high, and uh, of course our parents didn't really know what we was doing. My brother and I, but uh, they put a person in prison today for working a kid. You know, no, no, it's a mines that basically worked out, and they had steel rails, and so we had to go in there with wrenches and WD forty, and when that wouldn't work, the saw and a couple of the rails. They were about fifteen foot long, and hook a rope to them and drag them outside because the steel was even in. I remember it served one or a ton. So, uh, you know, it's a valuable commodity, but the mines had been shut down. There was no, nothing where they, you know, had to have, had to have light to, to see with. And it's about wow. 40 inches high, but just something clicked in me. These old guys are killing themselves like your dad working. You could, <laughs> you could make your money like them people you've been reading about them books. And I just uh, got a, got addicted to the, got addicted to the books and, you know, it, I done, you know, I drove a school bus when I was going to school, and uh, got two years college. It's a two year school here. It's a four year now, but it was two year back then, and I just learned to make money originally because I needed to, but uh, then later it seemed like things came so easy. I, I was a bank president by forty one. My first job was a finance guy going to see finance company customers wow. who was behind, and I was making a dollar fifteen cents an hour. I loved it. Cause I knew I was going places. They called me hot shot. I managed an office. Uh, I, I got a letter somewhere that said I was the youngest manager in her history. I had guys working for me about twice my age, but yeah, they called me hot shot. So you were, work. you were like a collection agent or something for the bank. <laughs> yeah. 
No, wow. for finance company. Oh, for okay. Company. I think the rate, the rate was around 24% they charged them, small loans. And wow. back in, you're talking about the early 60s, uh, people like that, what many of them had phones in their homes. So you sent out several notices, you got two or three payments behind. They give you a card and said, go collect this money. <laughs> so you had, you had to get a turn knock on their doors. And, uh, you know, that's what I did. And I remember listening to Jim Ron, Napoleon Hill, uh, all these other greats. I listened to them. I wasn't stopping nowhere and eating lunch because my wife packed my lunch. And I would stop and get a, a, a soft soft drink and pull yeah. off the side of the road somewhere and eat my sandwich of peanut butter and jelly or what it was rather than going in and going in and eat. But uh, I, I was loving every I was loving every minute. I loving every minute of it. And so wow. I, I was a I was a uh, I was I worked in the finance business and I made manager and I was contacted by a guy that started a bank and he my name was given to him as he needed some depth. The bank was just opened up and he didn't have adequate people. I came over and interviewed. I remember the interview it was June 1975, 48 years ago. And wow. I remember it was yesterday. He said he read the same books. He was a graduate of uh, Virginia Tech. And uh, today he's a mentor and a supporter and a, a personal friend. But uh, he told me on that day, June 1975, Don, you do a little extra one day, it won't matter. You do a little extra for a week, probably nobody knows it. But I'm telling you, if you'll work harder than the other people around you, one of these days, you're going to be the success that most of the world only dreams of. And I remember it. I, I remember it. Of course, he read the same book. And he's an avid reader, just like our attorney, Bob Johnson. Seems like the people I'm around that's extremely successful. Every one of them are avid readers. Yep. Because, yep. you know, you probably heard me use the Mark Twain quote, People don't read or no better than all for people can't read. And uh, there's a whole lot, there's a whole lot to that. So if you've read a few hundred or a few thousand books, even if you only remember a little bit in one of them, then uh, it's well, well worth your time. And so true. <laughs> so true. So this, this, um, this, this guy that interviewed you um, 48 years ago. Yes. 48 years ago. And that was just to work at the bank, not to be the president at the time, right? No, no, I was the second person at the bank. And I worked our eight years. He sold the bank to which is now Bank of America. He sold the bank, but he liked me. And in the sales agreement uh, with them, they agreed to give me a position of management. And I did. And I worked with them a year. And then I was, I was contacted by a uh, people that had a savings alone and it was broke. I'm telling you it was broke. Uh, but, uh, that was in 1983. But at that time, uh, there were so many of them and the guys that, uh, owned the, it was actually a savings bank. They were friends of, of Warner, not the present Warner Senator, but, uh, one that was married to Liz, Liz Taylor, John Warner. And, uh, and so he had told them y'all keep a positive balance. Uh, when uh, and said we'll not close it, so I took it on them circumstances. Was naive, I guess, but uh, th they only had thirty-five thousand dollars. Can you imagine a bank with thirty-five thousand dollars capital? <laughs> no. but, I, but, I was, <clears throat> but I was naive. 
I was naive. <laughs> the first year I made $80,000 and they thought I could walk on water. The next year it went to 400 and some thousand dollars. Then I got to where I was making a million dollars. And this was on a small bank. This is on a small bank. And uh, I, uh, I had 18 years there. I never foreclosed on a single loan that I made, not one, because I learned to work with people. I get old Ken in there and say, Ken, you got problems. What do you mean I got problems? I had other people behind. Yeah, but Ken, you're the only ones getting get ready to get set, set out on the street. Now, here's the thing we can do. You can do nothing and we'll sell it. You can put it up for sale and you might get some equity in it. Or you can work with us. And that's a decision you get to make. I'll work with you. I'll work with you if you get this thing called up. And I work with them. Yeah, wow. yeah, 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 you know, and I uh, said, of the 18 years, I, and we primarily made home loans. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't make second mortgages. We only made first mortgages. And I did 15-year loans, which I think I started at in this country. It was stupid to do a 30-year loan. If someone runs an amortization schedule, which I did on a on a hundred thousand or ever what, and you look at thirty years against fifteen, the payback is is absolutely unbelievable, because you're sitting there basically just barely covering interest, and the payment on a fifteen year loan is all that much. Person thinks without knowing, a thirty year loan the payment will be half what it is fifteen. Look it up sometime. It's not the same. Because yeah. the first thing on that loan you got to do is cover the interest. Yeah. And then what you pay above that comes off the principal. So the 15-year loan became very, very, very popular. And I, I think I kind of originated it because, and I never, I never made uh, anything past 15 years. And uh, I see my good friend, Justin. I know. I was getting ready to say that. There's Justin. Oh, I love Justin. He's been yes, sitting sir. in his seat right here where I am when he comes to visit me in, in our in our archives. We had some. We had uh, we, we spent a Saturday together, and it was a, it was a, it was just an absolute uh, look. You see uh, what he says? <laughs> yeah. He's 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 also if Steve don't watch him, he'll replace him as comedian. <laughs> he's, he's also he's also funny. He's, he's hilarious. Funny. I love Justin. So, so, so you, um, so you started doing these 15 year mortgages, but, and that wasn't what everybody else was doing. How did you convince people they needed to do a 15 instead of a 30? Well, I had, a, I, I can remember one real, it was, a, it was a doctor and he was foreign. Uh, oh no. He said me, me, me went on, on 30 years, me payment of behalf. So I already had, I already had a tapes laid out there amortization schedule on 30 years and an amortization schedule on 15 years. And he didn't want to know what the difference, <laughs> you know, it wasn't, <laughs> big, it wasn't a big difference in it because they're sitting there playing interest. And you, and usually, and in fact is the longer the term is the higher yield the bank wanted on the loan because it stuck out there that long. So uh, uh, it's a, uh, uh, it, it, it's just a fact. And, and most people hadn't, hadn't realized it. You know, even, even I noticed when I started, Financing cars, you know, the the the, uh, uh, the people started going longer and longer on the cars because of the price. You know, yeah. when I was around, they were doing 24 months and sometimes 36, but versus selling it, had to be a new car. They started going to 42, 48, 60 months, at 72 months. But it may look good selling it, make it a little easier to sell it. But what happens is they build up no equity in the car and it kills them on trade-ins. 
You yeah. take a six-year loan out and you pay on to your two inch, you don't have you still don't have no equity in the thing. So they hurt themselves on repeated sales on the on the things. So, yeah. And I think it was I think it was Volvo to while they came out and was doing eight year financing, you know, and I'm not talking about the car and all, but you know, you don't want to start replacing the parts on the car and you're still making payments on the thing. <laughs> right. But but, but people simply don't do finances is is the same thing I I, I did want to study for the book Millionaire Mindset. Victor Hugo had a comment 120 some years ago. Was he said, "It's not that people were planning on failing; they just failed to plan." Right. And I would ask you, and I would ask the audience, "Why is that?" Ken and his wife goes on vacation. They go to the beach and come back, and Ken says, "Won't we go to the mountains next time?" Well, I thought you'd like the beach. That food is good and all. You like it? Well, I think we ought to go. And they'll do that for about ten months, throughout four times, go to vacation. Yeah. And it either and she goes to uh, stores. She makes that order bread, milk, all these items. Listen all down. They plan to go to store. They plan for vacation. Why don't they plan their lives? Why don't they plan their lives? Well, Ken and his wife do. <laughs> to, just to be clear, but I, I think Justin might have some planning issues. <laughs> I'm kidding. So no, you're right though. Most people don't. They do not make a plan. No, no, and, and I guess it's for some reason. I got a pad. Sometimes I send no down. I think I wrote one to Justin. I know I wrote one to Russell. It says there are seven days in a week, and some days not one of them. You know, they always think they got time, and all of a sudden they're 65 or something. They're retired, and uh, the NBC Wall Street poll says. Two out of three people, sixty-five, don't have a thousand dollars in cash. Yeah, which is which is which is sad. Very which sad. Is, I bet Justin Benton and Russell Brunson had that much when he was in school. Yeah, there it yeah. is. You sent it to me. There are seven days a week, and some days not one of. And that I, was have, a I have you sent me a, a bunch of these. I love this. Thank you for that, Don, because I totally agree with that. Totally agree. Well, it's been a pleasure. When I was teaching the, the class here at the college, I taught it, I don't know, 11, 12 times of a night class and give them the money back. And that's the first night I told them, I told the students, now I want you to do me a favor to get back in your dorm or your home or where you're staying. And I want you to look on your calendar and hunt for someday. I said, when we <laughs> say someday, <laughs> just said it never come, someday's a lie to ourselves. Someday I'm going to go visit the old folks. Someday I'm, I'm going to start making contributions to my church. Someday I'm going to do this and so forth. Someday I'm going to uh, uh, pay off my credit cards. And, and there is no someday. And all of a sudden we, uh, we think, gosh, what happened to the, what happened to the time? Yeah. It's a, uh, it's kind of sad when it's yeah. not that difficult and they right. just weren't, they just one word involved in, and that's discipline. And without discipline, we have a miserable, we have a miserable life. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I agree. So, so Don, yeah. you, you said you worked at the bank for how long? Eight, did you say eight? I, I worked at the bank eight years and then I took a job as president of a bank, savings bank, and I did it for 18 years. Wow. A, diff guy, a different bank. Yeah, a different bank. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was naive when I took the job. I really knew how bad, <laughs> how bad it was. And then the beat of dollar is, you know, we get, to do pretty, we get to do pretty good. And I go to lunch with one of the guys and I said, I'd like to give the employees a raise. 
we ain't got no money. I said, but here's the thing. You don't have to give me nothing. You're going to pay dearly for me when, when this, as this thing goes along because I got a contract with you. But I said, they've not had a raise in three years. I want to give them a token amount just, just to show we have confidence in them for the work that we're turning out. And well, I guess you know what you do and go ahead, you know, and, and I, get, I give them a little money, each one of them. And of course, we didn't have that many employees, but, but still yet, it was the idea. And I've always used that. I took care of the people that work with me. Nobody works for me. They work with me. Amen. I know good and well, I don't care where it's a foundation or where it's a bank. If I turn results on, usually the board of directors are pretty, pretty sharp bunch of individuals and they wouldn't be on there. And they can realize what they, I, I can remember once that uh, that it came up and I had reviews and was doing really well. And one of the older uh, trustees do have that much talk. He said in front of me, he said, I've never known anybody make that kind of money. And one of the other ones said, Mr. Brown, we're not living in a depression no more. Said, look at the balance sheet. Look at the income statement. We need to take care of Don. If he don't perform, said we throw him out the window, using a few other words, and said we're on the second floor. Our boardroom was on the second floor. So oh that's really kind of funny. But I never had to ask for anything because, you know, they reckon, they reckon. And when they came to me and said, Don, we're living in Florida now. And this was a guy's son. His dad started it. And he said, uh, we spent an awful lot of time this. Things is going good. Do you think you could get a buy for the bank? Oh, yeah. It was year 2000. I said, and I had I had a lot of stock, 92,000 jars. I had built up to, because it same as cost me nothing, because yeah. it wouldn't have no value. And, uh, but uh, then I, I found several different people. And, and, uh, to buy, and, uh, to buy the bank. Buy the bank. And, uh, and, uh, we, and the stockholder were rewarded tremendously with their stock. And the, uh, uh, I uh, told the new people, I said, uh, I said, I can go to work for any other bank in town. They've heard we might be selling out and I've already had job order, but I'm not going to work for another bank. But here's what I'm asking. I want to draw my salary for one year after I leave. I want to keep the bank car. Why don't you pay my benefits? And uh, they come back and I said, okay. And I told my wife and she said, that don't seem right. Why did it don't seem right? You got, you're getting good money from two different people and you're only working with one of them. I said, Bill, honey, this is what you call a deal. The deal was good for me and it's good for them because them customers, they would have followed me. Yeah. And of course, of course, I had the job with the, with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Right. They had told me for two or three years at least, Don, if you ever take a notion to get out of banking, Mike can't travel, his health's bad. And said, we don't know nobody that knows the, knows the books and all like you do. Wow. And uh, so it was just from work one Friday and then I had a dry cleaning business and I, I had built that thing with intent when I built it. I, I put a pretty nice office in it. You know, it was only 12 foot square probably. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, it, uh, so I, I, I put a desk, my friend gave me a, a little wooden desk. I had the books and I went to uh, Walmart and I bought a phone with a built-in fax machine. Year 2000, that's before the internet. Yeah, and uh, and uh, I got a hold of a book that listed publishers all over the world, and I started writing out letters. Girl from the bank would stop by and pick them up, and type them of the night, bring them to me the next morning, and I'd fax them out. We started doing business. I send books all over the world, and then then was fortunate to get PDL files. So now we have over five hundred foreign publishers, and recently wow. I counted, 
we got 36 publishers in Russia alone, 36 different publishers. This is for the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Yes. Wow. Yes. Holy yes. moly. That's um, insane. Yeah, yeah, it, it is absolutely unbelievable. It's nothing to do four or five contracts in, in four or five different countries the same day. What now? Okay, so so back up a little bit. So you you left the bank. You went to work immediately for Napoleon Hill Foundation, and you didn't even have like a a building. It was you had to open an office in your dry cleaners. Yes, and, wow. and I was there for I guess I don't know at the time a couple of years I guess. And the college offered me space out here because I was involved with the college. I was on I was on the board and I was already. I was already teaching a class and uh, they offered me because they, they want to be close by. And so we've been here the 20 some odd years and, and we are archives and offices. And all. well, I said, Justin, my friend, Justin, he, he visited. We're not, uh, uh, um, <laughs> Justin loves my check. Yeah, I guess he is a North Carolina basketball. Is. Yeah. Uh, the next time he's here, I'll take him down there to my little clothing shop in the resort town of Boeing, North Carolina. Wow. Uh, that's awesome. So, so you you just opened up your little you said twelve by twelve office in yeah. the dry cleaners and had to keep, and, the, door had to keep the door shut, Callan always. <laughs> oh my lord, have mercy! Um, yeah, Justin wants to know about your dry cleaning policy. Well, well, you know it was it was fun. I, I had I don't know I had th more than thirty suits, probably thirty five. Because I thought in our material, you know, you dress for the other person. And uh, I wanted them, when someone walked in the bank, I wanted them to know who the president of the bank was. He's that guy in that expensive looking suit and that nice tie on. They didn't have to ask. They didn't have to have to ask because these old ladies come in with money. They expect you to look like a banker. Yeah. And, and I did. But I was not satisfied with the local. In fact, is I was uh, I was uh, taking uh I was taking them to another town when I was, I'd, I'd save a few and, and take them yeah. because they, and so I ordered over Inc magazine, which I've subscribed to. They had a publication there about running a successful dry cleaning operation. It was $39.95. I ordered it and started studying it. And it seemed that the women were really appreciating drive, uh, drive in facilities at a dry cleaner, which means they don't have to take their kids out of the car or whatever. Right. They don't have to leave the car. So uh, that was a, that was one aspect, and and the other one was a one day service, which sure it took three or four days. Right. And I just learned I just learned some stuff. You know, it uh, we uh, we already had the, we already had the land we already had the land and uh, and uh, and uh, built a building of all new equipment and uh, and and got the company come and train the people for for a few weeks. But I just I just learned things. You know. I, I, I would uh, teach uh, how to treat people and was open seven to seven. And uh, I, so I told the lady and she'd, she'd been a manager of a dry cleaner. I said, Juanita, we're going to give same day service. What do you mean? I said, if they drop it off by 10 o'clock of morning, we're open to seven of the night. They can pick it up as they go home. You can't wow. do that. I said, well, let me ask you something other. If I'm on the way to the bank about seven 30 in the morning, and I've got six shirts, white shirts. I want done. How long do you take to do them? About three hours. Okay, I'm gonna give you two suits, okay, and have to be dry clean. How long will it take them? 
all about the same. They're different operations, but they're big enough. Same. Yeah. I said, why do we lay them down on the floor and walk on them for a week before we get them? That's which is typical dry cleaners. Yeah. We had tables. Nobody's clothes was touching. Or and uh, so I said, what I want you to do is when they bring it in, don't let, don't let start start processing process it that day and if we're shorthanded we'll get some more people but we're going to give one day service i don't think she believed wow. it worked. but it was just teaching some things <laughs> i can remember down there once in the fall i just stopped check see how they're doing coming back from after bakay's old till seven sometimes i would stop and check on them and there was a little bunch of little girls giggly girls say five or six i don't remember <laughs> but that, they were in the band and they were going to the same high school i did <clears throat> my my daughter was going there, and I know they had 125 or 150 in the van. And and they brought their uniforms to get them dry clean. Yeah. And I told them, I said, girls, this first trip, we're not going to charge you. You're not going to charge me. No, I said, it's free the first time. And you could tell all them other, other, other students in the van, they bring their uniforms down here, and the first time we'll clean it for free. So when she left, then one agent says to me, we're fixing to go broke, ain't we? <laughs> do you think Wendell Barnett, that was my partner, do you think Wendell Barnett and Don Green's going to go broke? I said, she said, what if they don't even use our cleaners or not even our customers? Well, we're giving them a good opportunity to be that. And if they don't, I said, uh, then that's okay, too. We've made an attempt to, uh, to do it, but I'm sure we'll pick up a lot of customers. Yeah. If we don't, that's okay. And uh, so it just things like that. I remember yeah. one Saturday morning, we do a banquet in Oakmont on Saturday, and I stopped down there one Saturday morning. And this lady comes in, and she's got some clothes. And she asked her, she said, it was early, pretty early in the morning. She said, we've had a death in the family. Could I get these back today? Of course, Juanita knows what to say. And uh, uh, so uh, she told her, yes, she could get them. And so after that lady left, I said, now, Juanita, when she comes back, don't charge her nothing. Well, she said, I think that's the first time she's ever been here. I said, well, don't you think she's had a death in the family? She's had enough trouble. Wow. I said, we'll give her a good reason to come back and, and, uh, and see us. And we never advertised. We never give coupons. Wow. It was word of mouth. And we charged more than the other people did, but we gave service. Yeah. Like Ken would stop down there the first time. I would, I would get it. They would make a tag up and says, Ken Walls. Likes his starch lightly starch folded for travel or whatever what your circumstances was, and the the name of the place was the cleaners. Ken's wife says, "Ken, would you stop at the cleaners? That's us. We was the cleaners. That's all that we had." So awesome! Oh my gosh. Well, well, and we give them that bag, and and uh, they could put their clothes in it. And then they could drop it off and don't have to say, go through this or that. Somebody else could drop them off for us because it had right on their name tag. It had uh, lightly start shirts, yeah. folded or ever, ever how the circumstances was. And you would turn that bag in with your dirty clothes. And then when they got the clothes clean, they would also clean the bag with your name tag on it. And they would give that back to you with your freshly clean clothes that you could accumulate your clothes in the next time. So it was just, it was a wonderful operation. I, 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 there's, there's such a humongous life lesson in what you're talking about. It reminds me of when I 30 some years ago, when I first listened to Brian Tracy 
um, had this CD course out called The Psychology of Success. And I listened to that over and over and over and over and over. And I, I'll never forget him saying, if you do more than what you're paid for, eventually you'll be paid more than paid more than what you do or something like that. Yeah, it's strictly out of, out of hell usually, but it's from yeah. Ralph Waldo Emerson's theory of compensation. Yeah. He went on to say is if you're doing more than what you're being paid for, you'll be recognized your boss or another boss will steal you away. Yeah. So uh, it's a, uh, uh, it, it's a, uh, it, it's true to, you know, you're, you got people that seem to thinking, well, I'll do more when they pay me more. Right. Someone hires you at $20 an hour and you don't have some initiative to go a little bit beyond that. Then, uh, you, uh, you, you have to do the reward and then it'll fall. Or if it don't, you'll get, you'll get it. You'll get it someplace else. I remember doing a, I remember doing a fundraiser with Zig Ziglar at a Christian college up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And he, said, he was in a plant down there and he asked an old boy said, buddy, how long you been working here? He said, ever since they threatened to fire me. <laughs> Yeah, but that's, that's a lot of people's attitude. Just to, just enough to get by. Yeah, just just enough to get by, which is and, sad. It is sad, and I I think that you know I, I I know there's no way to change people. I wish there was. I wish there was a way. Um, but you know, I've heard it said that pain is the predecessor of all wisdom, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, don't touch that burner. It's hot. No, it ain't. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yep. Yep. It is. That's where wisdom comes from. Right. So, so you did, um, the bank and, and then you got into the Napoleon Hill foundation. And so where did things go with the Napoleon Hill foundation for you? Once you got in there, I know that you really are, are, you know, I, I know you won't like this term, but single-handedly um, put the Napoleon Hill Foundation on the map, so to speak. Um, what what are some of the things that you did besides sending out books to people um, that made the difference? You think? Well, i i travel I travel quite quite a bit, but uh, but you know, I guess I just looked at things different. Uh, for example, I found out if say Poland in, inquired about think and grow rich then yeah. darlene i'm all with you I'm ready for a change but yeah. but there's a little bit of joke about the normal person it says people resist change they said the only people that welcome change is usually is a baby with a bad diaper and it cries during the whole ordeal but, uh, <laughs> but we have to change if we want we if we want results we have right. to we have to change but uh uh i just did things you know that i, I said give you an example if someone sent in a, a thing and says we would like to re to license thinking go rich in uh, Poland, they write back and say, "I'm sorry, it's not available." That's not that's not the proper thing. Is it said that book has been licensed in Poland, but we have these other books. We have success so positive mental attitude. We have grow rich, think and grow rich and peace of mind and so forth. So I want to go back to them, not just give, never give them a no, uh, tell them what, what you can do. And, and it, and most of the time it works out because first off they're wanting to, they're, they're in the position. They want to publish some more of our books. So, Maybe the one they want's not in in uh, available, but we have these other ones, and I and I still use that same I use that same principle today, and we continuously do them. 
I mean, like when Napoleon Hill Secret, once it went to print, we had a PDF file. And of course it goes up as a pre-order several months ahead of time. And yeah. so we start contacting those publishers. I don't even know it to foreign countries. We've already licensed it to Korea and uh, Korea and, uh, and uh, uh, Portugal and uh, Spanish. And I don't, I don't know a whole bunch of languages. So we've already licensed it in wow. and, it just, and the book just came out. It just came out this week. Uh, so uh, uh, we just, uh, keep keep doing it and of course we have so much content we have so much content that's what i tell the uh our cleona o'hara and their friends with the um, uh, napoleon hill institute we call it doing negotiate yeah, they have yeah. access to so much information not just thinking rich. they come here and spend a week of filming me but yeah. we had 16 books when i started 16 books from napoleon hill Jeez. Uh, today we got 170 or something Oh my Lord have mercy. We published 11 new books last year and I, this year I'll, we'll probably be, probably somewhere like we'll probably do 10 or so or so because we've got all these uh, radio programs he did all these things that uh, that he did that was never never uh, never put into a into a book and uh, it's just uh, it's just uh, uh, amazing um, uh, so Justin has another question. How many books you bought and published since you took over? Uh, 150 or so. At, at, uh, we published new ones since I uh, since I started, and we're we're not quitting. We're not quitting. I have two other books that book at that uh, Napoleon Hill at uh, and uh, uh, Napoleon Hill material. And I got a lot more stuff to work with. Well, Justin, he's seen it. We got, we got just, we got just all kinds, all kinds of stuff. You know, he lived at the age of seven years old, and uh, his first things, which, uh, which uh, Justin and my good friend Russell Bronson, uh, he has, he wrote an advertising course, and I can remember it's four hundred and sixteen pages long. Oh my God! He taught car salesman, and this was dated nineteen and seventeen, and I showed it to Russell when he was here, and Russell with his his group uh, at Click Funnels, yeah. they would use that content to basically educate people in market and market so, and so forth. It's uh, uh, he was teaching people how to sell cars and how to sell insurance, and most people don't realize they think he only wrote his books. Uh, yeah. uh, his first book was Twenty Eight with All Success, but uh, he had to do something in the meantime. He wasn't making his living out of, out, out of just writing. He trained car salesmen and he, and he trained the insurance thing. And I think probably and his grandson thinks also, he was probably the, the most uh, or the first to teach people how to sell cars. You know, wow. uh, and, and, and they, and they is a, some of the folks like Russell Brunson, some of they've got it down pretty pat and sell and 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 selling i mean it's it's a uh yeah, it's a sir yeah. it's a serious subject but 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 a lot of it's so simple i think i, I learned things i taught my daughter donna who's a, a miraculous young lady i mean i'm so proud of her she's my only child but uh she's married for uh 33 years now i guess and one grandson but uh i talked her how to sell Girl Scout cookies, and she loved the Girl Scouts. She had all these little things. I could tell you stories after stories of yeah. her getting how she got Richard Nixon's autograph and and uh, getting a letter from the FBI because she tried to get Jimmy Hoffa's autograph. Oh, jeez! 
But I, wow. yeah, I got a letter from FBI. Sorry, uh, that uh, you're not on the uh, <laughs> office list to receive mail. So she did, she didn't get his, but she did get Richard Nixon's by writing to Hubert Humphreys and yeah. saying that they wouldn't, they haven't give her a uh, autograph. But anyway, the cookies thing was on selling. I said now. Donna, I said, you put your little uniform on. Your mom's just going to take you around the neighborhood. She'll stay in the car, and they were selling four cookies. And I said, you go up and knock on the door, ring the doorbell. When they come, say, you're going to see a little cute little girl wearing her Girl Scout uniform for all them badges. And you tell her, I'm Donna Green. I live here in Mount Carmel, and I belong to troop number 824, or what the name was, and said, we're selling Girl Scout cookies. And said, we have peanut butter and mint and uh, chocolate chip and one other one for them. Which ones do you want to buy? You're going to get a yes. What would a kid typically say? They'd rung the doorbell and they come up and said, ma'am, we're selling Girl Scout cookies. Do you want to buy any? Well, no, I don't think so. They, they could say yes or no, but if you ask them to pick from which ones, then yeah. they it don't matter which one to do. So one Saturday, we wasn't open. I was managing the finance office. Uh, her, her and her mother went to the bank to do a little bit of banking or something. Of course, Dawn had a lot of nerve. She goes up to one of the tellers and tells them that she says, uh, I'm selling Girl Scout cookies, and I'd like for you to help them sell them. She said, my daddy banks her, and he's got a lot of money in the bank. Probably $500. I may have had $500, but to her, it's a lot of money. Right, so, yeah. I think it was Kingsport National Bank, and they had crosser they had five or six tellers and so them them girls they were competing to which one could sell the most of donna green my employees would go down there and make a deposit and come back and say don them girls at the bank says they're about out of cookies so i'd have to take some more bo big boxes of cookies so by the end of when it's when it's all done yeah. she sold more girl scout cookies and the whole troop put together <laughs> And she still says it today. Even my son-in-law says he doesn't. He would not dare go with her to trade cars or anything or to buy a car. He says she's so much better. She's so much better than than I am. And he told me his first year or two of work. He said, Don. He said your daughter amazes me. He said I could drive her out in the country and leave her on a big rock, and before the day's out, said she would be filling out some way to make some money. <laughs> And she's got she's got three businesses. She's a CPA. She's got she's wow. got interior decorator. She's had several pages in Better Homes and Gardens. Wow! And just just amazing. I was with her a few weeks ago, and I said, Donna, are you always this busy? She said, I don't know where I learn it from. <laughs> yeah, right. But she's goal she's goal she's goal oriented. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it's Jim Stowaller answered. Uh, introduced me one time after I introduced him, came here to speak to college. If you know Jim so well, he said, yeah. I tell you something about Don. He don't know what the word no means. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had asked him about third time, three times to come and speak. Of course, we don't pay for him. And I know Jim, he gets up 50,000 bucks for first time. Yeah, yeah. And he looked up a couple of years ahead. But he was involved in making movies. And, and so the, the second time he was tied up, he told me, he says, when is it? And I said, it's the last Monday in October. He said, mark it down. I'll put it on my calendar. And he showed up and he stayed a day early and showed him around. And we talked and planned stuff and wonderful, wonderful individual that, uh, wow. and I, yeah. I, I, 
You did a book. You did a book with Jim, didn't you? I did the gift of giving. Yep. And it's yep. it's living a legacy. Living a legacy. I mean, if you can got a chance to do a little bit of good in the world, you don't have to wait till you die and say, Oh, he left a hundred thousand for scholarships or whatever. Yeah. Why can't yeah. you do it and see the effects of it? And that's what we're trying to do. But yeah. Jim's yeah. I, I met Jim and this was this material allows me to meet Justin, Russell, Ken, all these other uh, wonderful people, plus helping young people at the same time. I read one of Jim's books one time, and he talked about being mentored on Think and Grace by Lee Braxton. Well, of course, I knew who Lee Braxton was. He delivered Napoleon Hill's eulogy. Yeah. I, picked up, I picked up the phone, and I called Jim and asked him, did he know that? He said, no, I didn't know that. Wow. And, and so it got started, and uh, – I have published seven books with Jim or for Jim, and I've never given him a nickel. He's contributed all of it back. In fact, is he's a scholarship here in Napoleon Hill in his mother's name, and I've never sent him a check for nothing. And uh, he's just a wonderful. I mean, the man's blind, but he was mentored on thinking grow rich when he was going blind while attending Oral Roberts University, yeah. and he's so successful. He's done about six. He's done about sixty books. And if he's got a column that's been doing for 20 some years called Jim Stovall's Wisdom for Winners, it's free, yeah. comes out every Thursday. I've never read a bad, bad one yet. I've been reading them for years. And and he didn't he um, I think Mark Victor Hansen told me um, because they're I think Mark and, and Jim are good friends. Didn't didn't he do um, have some responsibility in the closed captioning on television or something. Oh, yeah, he, he founded the uh, narrative for, uh, 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 for, and they got 8,000 visitors. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he worked with Ted, Ted Turner. It's a narrative uh, uh, for people to visually empowered. Uh, oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I've, I've got his, uh, his speech. He gave her a talk was 30 minutes long and, and I re college recorded it and I got them to sign off when I got the copyright to it. And I'm going to start sharing it with the people of the Polyamil Institute. And, uh, I'll give a copy for Russell for his, his use Brunson, if he want, wants to do it. I'm not trying to make no money off of it. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just a wonderful, it's the most, it's mostly, I've never heard of more inspirations. He tells about going blind and helping this little five-year-old boy who later died of cancer and so forth. And uh, it's just, just, just amazing. And, you know, he did one movie with uh, the last movie, James Garner, if you remember him, that uh, was on TV and it, uh, uh, programs. But it was an uh, ultimate gift. It was the last movie James Garner made with, uh, God, what's that girl's name, Abigail, something or other. But anyway... It's it grossed over a hundred million dollars that one movie did in the it's, book. Was it book, called Ultimate Gift? Ultimate Gift. Yeah, yeah. and it's and it's the book. I think it sold five million copies. The book did. It's a uh, but Jim could just turn stuff just just absolutely amazing, uh, just just amazing. And you know who puts who publishes books has done that many. It puts their phone number in the back of it and their phone number. You can call and talk to. Them. Uh, it's unreal. He, he never, he never gets, he never gets tired of it. Right before the COVID thing, he gave Old Roberts University a million and a half dollars. Wow. The uh, uh, the Stovall School of Entrepreneurship, and it's not named after Jim, as he told me the other day. It's named for his father. His father worked for Old Roberts like sixty some years, and wow. uh, but uh, it's a but the Lee Braxton story. Lee Braxton was a tremendous story, and. Uh, he quit school, I think, the fourth grade to help his family during the Depression. And he retired by the time he was 48. 
and he gave all his money to old Roberts University. They kept, I think he kept a couple million to live on or something. Yeah. But he promoted the Baptist College, old Roberts University, the rest of his rest of his life. But he's a personal friend of Napoleon Hill, and like I said, he delivered Napoleon Hill's eulogy, which we have, which we have the have the have the letter or the eulogy. Wow. Uh, that he gave. I, you know, I, I literally, I could just, I, I'm going to come and see you. I, I've made a decision. I'm coming. And whether you're going to have me or not, I don't know, but I'm showing up, <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm like, you're the wisdom that comes out of you, Don is just, it's, it's mind blowing. And it's, it's all through, you know, so many people live life and, and, and don't really live life, if that makes sense. And, and, and you've put yourself out there over and over and over and over for all these years. And it's just garnered so much wisdom that, that you have to share with the world. And that's why I really, cause the more I get into this book, Napoleon Hill's secret, your, your newest book. And by the way, everybody watching, um, I'm going to put this in my Amazon store. It's not there yet, but um, I will put it in my, I'm, you know, I'm an Amazon influencer. I'll put it in my store, but go to Amazon or go to Google and type in Napoleon Hill's secret and go to Barnes and Noble or, or wherever it's everywhere. Like go pick up a copy of this book right now. And, and Don, when we were on Amazon the other night, I got messages afterwards of people that bought 10 copies of this book. Remember I said, go buy 10 yep. copies of it and give it out to people, learn how to be a giver. A bunch of people did. So, so go buy a bunch of copies of this book, give it out to people. I'm, I'm here to tell you that I've, um, I, 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 I'm known as a giver and I'm not saying that to brag in any way. I can just tell you that, um, I've said this to, I've said this to people. You cannot outgive God. You can't. That's what the lady I work with all these years would say. She knows I've done something. To she, she often told me that. And I said, Hey, I'm not even trying to, I'm not even trying to approach it. We, right. we can't do everything, but we can do something. And so Amen. Well, what my little something is, why well, I hope it makes a difference. But the, but the influence on it, it, it uh, is unbelievable and give it without ever expecting it. Who would ever think you could send two books to Nigeria and to someone that would end up giving you $300,000? I mean, I, I never expect to hear from them after I sent the two books. And it was several weeks. And the gentleman called and he said, he said, he calls me um, uh, uh, Mr. Don. He still does. Wow. He said, Mr. Don, them two books with her. He said, I've been in every communist country, Laos, North Korea, North Vietnam. He sold malaria drugs. And he said, them two books you said you was going to send, they was here when I got back. I said, well, I said, Polly, that's what my mother told us. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, just be sure you do it. Right. I told him I'd send you the two books, and I wouldn't expect nothing to return. He said, I am going to wire you $100,000. He wired $100,000. I called him, thanked him. And I told him, I said, do you, Polly, do you ever come to the States? Oh, yeah. He said, my daughter's an attorney, lives in Merlin. I come visit her and I said, well, let me know next time and you come see me. You like Dr. Hill so good. And he said, I will. And I'll bring you another $150,000. And he did. 
So it got up to a quarter of a million. And now when he visits me, he burns me $10,000 in cash oh and, says, and says, Don, this is for you. I thank you, but I don't keep no money. It's given to me like that. It goes to the foundation. Wow. But uh, but we never we never we never know. I mean, I don't ever give no expectations of something something yeah. like that. Or or my friend Russell Brunson. I mean, just making friends is is and to, and to help someone else. Uh, you know, it's just a it's a, it's just a good feeling. Uh, we the good book tells us we're here to encourage one another and and. Uh, Acts 20, 35, not preaching or you say it's more blessed to give and receive. And I think people don't understand, don't understand that. Um, yeah. I never give with no expectations of, of uh, receiving something back, but I credit, uh, if you was around, around me, Ken, I can almost do nothing. I have, my, I have no technical skill, no mechanical skill. My dad could fix anything. I don't watch her on with me, but I can, <laughs> I can, I can turn up stuff, but, but my mind is creative. I can I can see and I think the reason I'm creating I'm at peace with myself. Yeah. I have no hatred, no jealousy, no envy of someone else. You know, we can sit here and say, "Well, why ain't I got Ken? Why ain't I got Ken's money? Or why ain't I got Elon Musk's money?" Get over it. Deal with <laughs> what you got. And be thankful. Be thankful every day when you when you get up that you got another that you got another day to do. Because as I've told you before, is the little car on my table, which I don't have to, I don't have to look at it, yeah, but it reminds yeah. me if I miss it, it just simply says, God, show me someone I can help today in Jesus name. Amen. And it's not going to, it's not going to happen that I leave this office that I'm not sent someone a book or a note or made a phone call or done something or another. And, um, it only takes, a, it can only take a few seconds, but, uh, uh, when we have a chance to do something or another for someone else and don't, we're the ones getting cheated. We're the ones getting cheated. You know, I, um, I, I, I gotta say that, you know, I, I talked to you, whatever it was a couple of weeks ago, we talked on the phone for about an hour and 20 minutes, I think, um, which was a life changing conversation for me. And, and I, I, you said, uh, "Well, give me your address. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you some. Uh, send you uh, a couple of books, is what you said. And 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 you sent me more than a couple of books. And and but but what was interesting is I thought, I thought, well, he's gonna. That that's really nice. He's gonna give that to his assistant or something. And and they'll 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 um. They'll send me a a book or something. I get this package." And it's more than obvious to me that you're the one that sent the package. You went to the post office yourself and you sent the package and you wrote inside of each one of these books, this beautiful handwritten note. And, and I, I just, I, I have to say that, and you didn't do that for any manipulation purposes or to hoping to gain something from me or any of that. You did that because that's who you are. And I would encourage everybody watching um, to follow in your footsteps, man. Um, just, just like people need to need to. We live in such an entitled and self-centered society. <laughs> I feel like, and 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 you're just not that way. And I love that about you. I love that about you. You're you you're from the old school of if it of what you just said acts. Acts what? Three thirty-five. Yeah, it, it, and that is, it's it's more blessed to give than to receive. But the 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 
the irony in that is the more you give, the more you do receive, but it's got to come from the right place in your heart. You got to be, there's got, there's a, got to be a place in your heart that, that, and I just, I love that about you, Don. I think you're an amazing human being and, and a great man. And I, I, I hope that we're, we're friends for many, 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 many more years. So um, thank you for who you are. Well, I've been truly, I've been truly blessed. Uh, there's no, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I can remember, you know, growing up and working and learning to make money. And some of the kids had Corvettes and T-Birds. This was in the mid fifties. I think the Corvette come out in 54 or 54, I guess. And, and I, I was able to buy a, uh, 1936 Ford from this widow woman. It's one owner. She didn't even drive. Her husband passed away. And it was, uh, I think it was $300. I was so proud of that car. It was a 36 Ford. But see, I bought it. Uh, I bought it. It was my money. You know, it made, it made all the difference in the world. I was so proud. I was so proud of that 36 Ford. And it was the best day. It was the best date girl of my life. But my, my daughter even found out about she, I guess, her tails, whatever, because it had little curtains on the side windows you could pull down. Oh, geez. And so when you went to drive in movie, you just reach over and pull them little side windows down. So so I want to say who's in the car, they had to go around to the windshield and look through the front because they couldn't see from the side because he had a little <laughs> curtain pull. So that was worth that was worth a fortune. <laughs> But uh, oh my uh, gosh! Anyway, it's something about something when you see. I, I'm a, I'm a I love Walmart. I love Amazon. I got both of them stock. If I go into Walmart, I see those kids putting money in those little machines and so forth. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm thinking right off that kid never made that money. Yeah. Parent yeah. or grandparent gave that money. And the sad part is the money has no meaning to them. It just puts your hand out and put something in it. See, I pick up pop balls and walk two or three miles and take the take them to the store and have twenty five or fifty of them and get a quarter or get two quarters for them. Uh, I earned that money. I'm not going to go put it in some some uh, uh, some uh, uh, hole somewhere hoping to get some something other for it. I, I learned the value of money, and uh, it's it stuck with me. Initially, it was for my own benefit, but then I I discovered I could also use that money to help other people in some, some aspect, you know, whether it be a Nicaragua or the church or saying, and I don't, I don't mean to say to boast or anything, but I mean, it's just a good feeling to be in a position that yeah. you can make a difference in someone's life to buy kids books or pay their tuition and so forth. It, uh, and without with knowing that, you, that you're not getting nothing in return for it because uh, they're in school. I mean, I expect nothing back from them, but maybe when they get to be adults, they think, well, that old guy, he helped me out. Maybe I can help somebody out. And that's it. That's the only intent for me to directly get any benefit from it, none whatsoever, other than I feel good that, hey, maybe I helped somebody out and made it a little easier for them. That's so incredible. I, I want to, you know, I want to make an offer to anybody watching the live stream right now um for the next hour if you don't have the funds to get a copy of don's book if you send me a direct message my email is ken at kenwalls.com i will buy you a copy of the book and have it shipped to you so um get this book i'm i believe in in this man i believe in this book and I believe in, in, in helping those in need. 
And, and I'll tell you something that, you know, Don, you and I talked about this the other day. I, I've, I had this, I, I used to live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I had this, this preacher 30 years ago, 30 plus, 35 years ago, sitting in, in church, humongous church, 3,500 people in the congregation. And, and he says, uh, he says, well, when the offering plate goes around today, don't put anything in it. There's going to be an envelope. I want you to take that envelope out and don't open it until I tell you to. And so he, when it was time, I opened up the envelope and inside it, and it's, it's tattered really, really bad. I carried this in my billfold for, for a long time. I finally took it out. Cause I'm like, it's going to, it's going to crumble in my, in my wallet. But in this thing is the scripture of Malachi three, bring the whole tithe and offering into my storehouse so my children may have food and et cetera, et cetera, with a brand new $1 bill stapled to it. And I've had that for 30 plus years. And it's a reminder. And I don't, I personally don't think that the tithe has anything to do with paying a church. I think it's about, giving back, taking 10% of your income or more and helping other people. So, um, you know, Don, you are an incredible human and, and I just, I want to, I want to, I want to continue helping you live your legacy. Well, that's i I'm humbled by what you're saying. It's a, and I'm deeply appreciated. Uh, I know we're not going to. Thank you, Sue. Thank you very much. Uh, maybe we'll cross paths. I uh, got the. Uh, Jose uh, bought it too. Jose. Jose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I appreciate it. And I appreciate hearing from him. I yeah. said, I, I never, I never, uh, or I never ignore anybody who makes a request. So maybe something other that I can't help them. But, uh, but uh, if nothing else, we can always give someone a word of encouragement. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We, don't, we don't want cheating ourselves. Uh, Let me, I, I want to ask you a question, and it's a question I ask every single guest I have on the show. Um, and that question is, I think it's one of the most important. You know, I think that, I think that, that money and happiness are related. <laughs> and I know there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with me. I didn't say the love of money. I said money and happiness are related because I've, I've been, I've been, it's like Zig used to say, he said, you know, they say money ain't everything, but it sure does rank right up there with oxygen. And, yeah. and, you know, um, what do you think in your opinion, Don holds people back from having real financial success and joy, freedom, and happiness in life. And I think those all kind of mesh together. Well, I think uh, I'm, I'm very convinced that there's only one road to happiness, and that's make someone else happy. Mm. Because as long as we're concentrating on ourselves or anything, God, I don't have that money. money. I, these people, they've got, I got some billionaire friends. They got $5 million houses and yeah. got one $5 million house on the beach. And, and uh, you know, you go to their place and they will, like my friend Ramey's got a Royal Forest convertible and a sedan and a Bentley and a Telson, a Genesis and the one, what else and all. And uh, we own a two and a half million dollars uh, Lamborghini special edition. Uh, but uh, if we, it will be absolutely miserable. But uh, we we uh, 
if we'll concentrate on making someone else happy, doing something for them, uh, that's the only way we'll ever be happy. Things won't make you happy. You should get as much enjoyment out of the book as you do a new car. Yep. And uh, but money, money is a, it's a, it's a tool. And that's in it's root of all evil. It's not. It's the love of money. It's what money can do. You can take money and, and pay a kid's tuition. You can send money to St. Jude's, or you can go out and buy some uh, drugs and uh, and get a so-called hire, what you want to want to call it. So it's how the how the money is used. I mean, uh, you know, I've been a great supporter for uh, St. Jude for ever and ever and ever. I just love the work that they uh, love the work that they do. So uh, and. Every, every little bit makes a, makes a difference. And I'm not judging what other people is able to give. I don't know their financial situation, but I do believe we get to give. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's an important aspect of our personality. And if we hoard money, money's got two aspects. We can have money or money can have us. When money's got us, we're gonna be one miserable individual because we don't turn loose of the, the we, we won't turn loose of anything for nothing. We, we worship in the almighty dollar. And it's only what the money can be used for. It's important. And uh, I think we're uh, rewarded. Uh, there's a verse. I don't remember the, I don't remember the uh, exact whereabouts it is, but, it, but it simply says them that give freely will be made richer. Them that withhold will suffer want. And, uh, and don't you believe the good book? Don't read it. If you don't believe it. It yep. says you'll be returned to you uh, uh, overflowing. In other words, we'll get back more than we give. Yep. And, if, and if you don't believe, believe that, you just need to lay the book back down. And just like what you said was tithing, I know that means 10%. Of course, people can make excuses. Well, that don't mean this or that or whatever. I think at least 10% or more. It's not ours to keep. It's yep. not ours yep. to keep. That's and uh, yeah, and when they says, well, I'll give more when I make more. No. It's like the widow's mite. She gave him proportion of what she had. So, uh, so, uh, uh, and and that's what that's what I think it means. And even in tipping, you know, I always assume that those uh, people are really needing really needing to work. And I don't heal one place. He said, if you're into a restaurant or somewhere and you're tipping, and you know, mine will come. How much do I give them? Five or do I give them ten or whatever? He said, always leave a larger amount, and you'll feel good to yourself when you leave. And, I, and there's so many, many, many stories that I, I could tell you. People never see me again. Don't know who I am or whatever. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Whatever. I can. I told you the story. I'm coming from CBS Morning Show in Richmond. I was driving back about a seven-hour drive, and I wanted to get back. And I drove and drove, and I'm looking for a place to eat. And I saw a Cracker Barrel sign. I cut off, and I got to an Applebee's before that, and I went in. I was in a hurry, so I ordered a salad. I figured that's the fastest thing. And uh, I uh, uh, paid for it on the card, and um, then I left the tip. And I, I told the lady I didn't need nothing else. I was in a hurry. And uh, and when I got about to the door, I heard someone holler. And she, she was a Mexican lady, elderly, to be working as a waitress. She heard Mister, and I looked at her, thought I'd left my coat. You know what I'd done? She said, and then she held up that bill. She said, "You left this on the table." And uh, and uh, I said, ma'am, that's yours. She started crying. Yeah. She said, I'm raising three grandkids. You don't know how bad I need this money. She don't know my name. I've never seen her since. Don't know what her name was. But uh, but I felt good and I got in the car that maybe I helped her out a little bit. Yeah. You know, maybe. And I wasn't expecting nothing in return whatsoever. I've never been. I've been through there, but I've never stopped at that restaurant. I've never been in the place again. 
because that was that was when one of my books came out about ten years ago, I guess. You know, you 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 just said something a little bit ago, um, a couple minutes ago. You said, um, and this is coming from the great financier, Mr. Don Green, president of a bank, CEO of Napoleon Hill Foundation. You said it's not yours to keep. It's not yours to keep. And I've, I've, I've said that and lived by that for most of my adult life. And I really think that that's um, what, what attributes to, to my success for sure is having that, that mindset of we're here to help other people. There's, I mean, you, 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 the, there's a country song, ain't never seen a hearse with a luggage rack. <laughs> you, you, you ain't taking it with you. Well, I was president of the foundation board here at the college for 16 years. It's a one year term and he kept putting me in, but and this, and this past year, I said, guys, please, when you get someone else younger, you know, I said, I'll serve on the board and what have you. So I did it for 16 years. And it was fundraising, and we've done a miraculous, and it's non-paying. And uh, mm-hmm. because I guess got involved with banking, I know some people had funds and so forth. And our success has been absolutely remarkable. The size of endowments we got for a little school. But I was talking to a friend, you know, and I was just saying, you know, if you got a little money and you get somewhere 60, 70 age or somewhere, you should be starting thinking what you could what you could do with it. Yeah. He said, What do you mean? I said, well, I don't think we're going to take any with us, but if you, we're close to the same age. But if you go before I do and you take your money, would you get word back to me how you done it? I think he, I think he got the message. I think he got the I think he got the message. I think he got the message. But, but, and I got some good friends. It's just not. It's just not. In, it's just not in them. Hopefully, it'll come about before they. You know, it's too late. As Andrew Carnegie said, disgrace and our rich. And of course, you know, one time he is the world's richest man. He did really in proportion to, to what he had. He gave it all away except for about $20 million, which was, you know, remarkable in the size of the amount of money he had. Yeah, well, wait, Mr. Stone, I don't know. Mr. Stone gave away somewhere like $350, $400 million before he paid, before he passed, before wow. he passed away. He didn't wait till he died and leave it. And, uh, wow. uh, he, uh, I can remember uh, Mike Ritt, who was the only other person having his job. Mike was his kind of his secretary to it, and and he had a daughter named Donna. At uh, at uh, she was involved in child abuse. She thought she could s- solve a child abuse problem, wow. and so she'd come to Mike and say, "Well, they you know buying billboards and all the stuff that they're doing, setting up chapters across the country," and uh, and uh, she'd ask for money. And, and it got to be an awful lot of money. And so Mike thought, well, I need to tell, I need to tell her dad how much money I've been giving away. And, and, uh, and Mike said, Mr. Stone told him, said, listen, if Donna comes to you and needs money and the money's the bank, you write the check. That's what you're getting paid for. He said he kept his mouth shut from then on. But, uh, but he yeah. was just, a, he was just, he was just a giver. Because, and, you know, he grew up on the streets of Chicago, six years old, out selling papers, raised by his mom. She was a seamstress. He got out and sold papers and get beat up by the bigger boys and what have you. But he said at night, no matter how bad a day, said they got down and uh, they would uh, get on their knees and pray before they went, before they went to bed. Before they went to bed. Wow. So that that, uh, that remained through him throughout his life, those lessons that, uh, those lessons that he, that, he, that he learned from his mom. He was just a, just a tremendous, just a tremendous individual. 
Wow. I, Don, I know you don't have all day to be on here. Neither do I. But if I could, I would, I would sit here and talk to you literally all day. You're, you're the wisest man that I've ever known. And I'm, I'm so grateful to call you a friend and um, thank you for coming on today and sharing your wisdom with, with the audience. And um, if, if, if y'all don't have this book, stop that right now and get the book. And if you can't afford the book, hit me up. I'll, I'll get you. If, if you live in the U S I'll ship you a copy. If you live outside of the U S I'll get you the Kindle version, but, but Ken at kenwalls.com. That's my email. So hit me up and I will get you this book. If you can't afford to get it. Listen, I, I appreciate everybody on here. Um, make sure that you share this, this interview out on all your social media platforms. Even if you already shared, share it again, <laughs> share it again. Let me show you something. We'll just land your eye at the, before we go. Can you, can you read that? The, hold on right there. The law of success and 16 lessons. This is a copy of the original manuscript. Wow. Okay, it's and and you you open it up. It's uh, it's copyright nineteen twenty seven. Wow, I, I put it on a PDF and I I furnish it to uh, the uh, the folks that's uh, doing uh, the coaching through Napoleon Hill Institute, which is golly, it's really making a difference. Uh, the people, it's just been remarkable with Cleona and Chris Murray and. Mark McCollin and Scott Edwards and yeah. uh, working with uh, Cleona to, at, and we copyrighted the name Napoleon Hill Institute because he actually had a he actually had a division called Napoleon Hill Institute and we have a lot of old letterheads and stuff that had Napoleon Hill Institute we thought that was a tremendous name for good coaching and the reception started in the middle of January with the with the um, Napoleon Hill Institute has been absolutely remarkable uh, we're we're helping a lot of a lot of people. And all Are you those- going to be in New York at the the opening thing? Yes, I'm going up on the 26th. I'll be there three nights: 26th, 27th, and 28th. Yeah, yes, Cleona, so- Cleona, and I, I hosted the the Saturday Saturday thing with her last weekend. Um, and yeah, she's, she said, she's going to send me the invitation. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I haven't received it yet, but, um, I love Cleona. She's amazing. Oh, she's I, very I, busy too. Yeah, I did too. I met her at the, uh, she came to California to see yep. me when we called it Ramey's. Yep. 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 Ramey's Ramey is Ramey's oh. one of my favorite people on this planet. That man oh, is, I love, I love, I love Ramey. I oh. love Ramey. I could do a, I could do a whole show on that thing. And that's a, there's a thing for doing favors. He called me probably three years ago or something. Other, and, and I listened to his story and I told him, I said, you should write a book. Yeah. Maybe. Thanks. So. Yeah. I said, you've got a good story. You should write it and share it. And then I've read the manuscript and, and whatever and, uh, and helped him. And uh, he called one day and wanted to come and see me. And uh, I said, well, a Sunday would be good. Uh, I said, uh, after church, he said, well, I got my own plane. <laughs> and uh, he uh, he did, and I picked him and Courtney up, took him out to eat and spent some time with him and all took him back to the plane. And uh, and uh, and he's been he's been good to me. And I called to thank him. 
and he invited me out. And that's when I got to meet you and Cleona and uh, Justin and uh, some uh, some wonderful, wonderful people. So it uh, and, and it all resulted. I did a little a favor for him. I could have said, ah, Ramey, I don't have time to do a book, you know, or, or, or even not even talk to him. But uh, I wasn't expecting nothing in return. I wasn't yeah. expecting anything. I didn't charge. I wouldn't tell him I'd charge him or anything. I just told him I'd help him. And because yeah. he had a good story and uh, he did. And uh, and I just love him. I, I, I do it then. I'm sorry when I can, but the, but the, uh, uh, the last one, I, I missed the last one. I was, I was traveling. My wife had been gone eight years on that date. And my yeah. daughter and I, we planned a trip to Boardwalk to, to North Carolina, the little park, and do some shopping and, and have a good meal down there in the mountains. That's awesome. But, uh, well, Don, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And, and, you know, anything I can do to help you and help more people get a copy of this book i'm in just just ask and and i'll help so um thank you so much i i genuinely appreciate you and um, i know everybody watching certainly appreciates the wisdom that you've shared today now i would i would i would say to everyone watching whether you buy the copy of this book or i buy it for you or however however this this pans out um don't do what 80% of the people that buy books do. And that is set it aside and never read it. Pick up this book, start reading it, start writing notes on how you can apply what he's teaching in this to your life and your business and, and start take action. Cause that you said it the other day, you said that the, 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 the overarching message in this book is take action. Yeah, in fact, yes, that was that was in the title. Uh, it was achieving success with action, and the uh, publicity department, all oh, they like the Napoleon Hill secret. The word action is in thick and great seventy-seven times. So, uh, uh, hopefully, they uh, uh, yeah, yeah, there's from uh, Tom. I yeah. cherish my copy of Think and Great You Sound for me at Ramey's. Uh, yeah, we we'll we're gonna do that again with Ramey sometime. I'm not sure it'll be at uh, what the time would be. He's a busy individual, but I'm sure sometime uh, this this uh, year I, I expect we'll do another event at Ramey's. It's just a it was just a it was just a wonderful gathering of uh, of people. I uh, love you know, I love teasing Ramey. I'll call him and he'll answer and. And I'll say, stop acting like you're a busy billionaire. <laughs> and he'll laugh. He just laughs and shakes his head at me. I love that guy. He's amazing. And you're yeah, amazing. He's got a good, he's got a wonderful, wonderful story. And I mean, oh. he, he, he treated me. So I stayed three nights with him when I was out there. And uh, uh, he uh, <laughs> he offered to come fly and pick me up. And I said, Ramey, what's it cost flat plane across country? He said, oh, thirty or forty thousand dollars. I said, just give me a ticket. I said, pick me up to airport. Right, right. Let's spread that cost out to all those other people on the plane too. Yeah, he, well, he's got his mind's his mind's amazing. I mean, he yeah. and but to be around people like him and Justin and Russell and all these you and all these people like that. If we only get a a few sentences here or there that we can put to use. And that's what I tell people when you read a book or you read something, 
what does this mean to me? What, where can I use this? You know, it, don't read it like a novel. I can find out the boy got the girl or the uncle died and left the money. Write your own story. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. But if you follow advice, what you get from others and through good books, you can write your own, you can write your own story. You can write your own story. And, Amen. Uh, and, Amen. and the thing says, take action. Absolutely. Napoleon Hill says success. The hardest part for everybody is simply getting started. Most people never start. They're looking behind them, afraid somebody's going to criticize them. Their spouse is going to make fun of them or whatever. And I love what Napoleon Hill said. He said, don't tell people what you're going to do. Show them. Yep. Yeah. Amen. I totally agree with that. I live by that philosophy too. And especially if somebody tells me I can't do it, you say, I can't do it. <laughs> Katie bar the door. Cause I'm, well, I'm, I'm coming. Why do people repeat negative stuff to their subconscious? Our subconscious tends to act on what we keep fit, what we feed it to most, you know, yeah. he said, I can do this. 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 And until it becomes a part of it. Because we tend to believe what we tell ourselves, especially if we repeat it. If we can repeat it to us, it becomes a part of our subconscious, and we tend to act on what our what what our thoughts are, and uh, that's what it, that's what it's all about. So, yeah. if you want to say something to yourself, uh, why try not saying something that's good? This is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good day. You know, I can do it. I can do it. And keep telling yourself that rather than feeding yourself a uh, uh, negative information because subconscious, you don't care which one you give it. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter what you feed into it. Nope. it it's going. It's going to program something. Other than more times you repeat. How do we learn ABCs? I don't know about you. I didn't get them all the first time. I kept saying them over and over again. I got them all. We repeat stuff and yep. our multiplication yep. table. Somebody walks up. Ken, what's eight times eight? Sixty-four. Yep. Man, been sixth grade last time you said it, but you said it so many times it becomes a part of your subconscious. So why would we want to put garbage in into our into our subconscious mind for, it? and then then tend to act on it, and then say, well, that's what I thought. I didn't think I'd make it. You know, I mean, self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So why not give ourselves good information? Don't let the other people. Don't think of what other people are going to criticize you or make fun of you or whatever you, because most of them would give anything to change places with you. Yeah. So uh, yeah. so. Uh, be someone that people are envious of rather than you being envious of others. Uh, you know, being be, be an example is, uh, or Jim Rowan said, if you be an example, they got them in the Bible. People, good example, bad examples. All I'm telling you is, if you ever get put in a book, try to be the good example. I, I, I absolutely love it. And it goes back to Think and Grow Rich, the power of auto suggestion. Like you, 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 you got it. Uh, Cynthia already bought. Thanks. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. um, abs absolutely. You know, there's a book that, uh, uh, that uh, it says, what do you say when you talk to yourself? And that's all it is. It's, it's auto suggestion. Yeah. It's the most yeah. important conversation we're having in our lives. Someone could walk up to Ken and you're not dressed right. And Ken think, yeah, I think that's pretty good. I've been hit compliments all day long. But then when Ken looks in the mirror and says, Ken, you ain't dressed, we tend to believe what we tell ourselves. We Amen. tend to believe Good or bad, good or bad. We tend to believe what we say, especially if we keep repeating the thing until it becomes a part of us. Amen. Man, Don, this has been amazing. Thank you again. Um, I'm going to end the live stream, but I want to say thank you to you 
And thank you to everybody who's been on here and shared this out. If you haven't shared it yet, go ahead and share it. And um, man, this has been absolutely incredible. So much wisdom. Go out and get a copy of this book. And if you haven't, if you've already gotten it, go get another copy or two or three or 10 and, and give it out to your friends and your family and um, even your enemies. They, they, they need it too. So um, God bless y'all. Don, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you so much. Don't leave me though. Don't, don't leave. Don't leave. It's going to feel like I left, but I, I ain't left. I promise. Give me one more minute here to wrap the show up. Thank you okay. all so much. Go ahead, Don. Thank you. Thank You're you. I appreciate, and I appreciate everybody that took the time out to listen in. And, and I just want to help any way we can. And, and he means that. He means that. So thank you all so much. We'll see you later. Have a great day. Stay with me, Don. Okay.